0: I trained at a top 75 and so I was quite used to quoting, you know, really good profit margins on jobs, but a lot of other accountants really struggle. And so it's more than just a proposal software. It's a pricing tool for accountants that can really help them separate their anxiety and confidence and sort of linking their self-worth to the fees that they're quoting.
1: You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants. Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 413 of Text Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to BGL for sponsoring this episode. As you probably know, BGL is Australia's leading provider of ASIC compliance, think cash 360, SMSF, think simple fund 360, investment management, identity verification and AI powered paper to data Software solutions. Now, in this episode, and also the next two, so you could call it a mini series of three episodes. In this episode and the next two, please join me speaking with Rachel Harris in the UK. Rachel and her husband James have actually achieved something phenomenal. They have grown their accounting practice, StriveX, from fifty thousand pounds fee revenue to one million, and they have done that within three and a half years. That is mind-boggling. And so I reached out to find out how they did it. So this talk with Rachel Harris is split into seven chapters. The first chapter is, you know, who is Strivex, giving you a bird's eye overview. Then in chapter two, we look at how they started and how their journey went. Then in chapter three, we look at business and client structure. How have they structured the whole thing? Then in chapter four, we look at fee structure and, quoting. and that concludes the end of this episode. Then in the next episode in chapter five, we look at social media and referrals because that is where the music is. And then in episode 415, we look at team structure and team benefits because Strivex puts a lot of effort into creating a team that is quite outstanding. And they do it in quite a unique way way. So it's well worth talking about it. Now, I learned about Rachel Harris by listening to Reza Hudet's podcast, the Profitable Accountant podcast, which I highly recommend. So in episode 141, Reza speaks with Rachel Harris. It's a really good episode. Please go and listen to it. Now, in this episode, Rachel covers a wide range of topics and I was keen to follow up on some of them. So Reza kindly allowed me to use parts of his interview so that Rachel doesn't have to repeat the whole story again, and we can just drill deeper on certain questions. So if you hear Rachel's voice and it sounds like this. I'm a disruptor in the accounting industry, and so I'm
0: disrupting what it means to be an accountant, what it feels like to have an accountant, and what being the founder of a
1: very rapidly scaling accountancy practice looks like as well. If it sounds like this, then it is a cut from Reza's interview. So let's start with that now with a short overview of StriveX is doing and start with a clip from Reza Huda's interview. And then you and I will ask more questions to better understand how StriveX is achieving such phenomenal growth. Chapter number one Who is StriveX?
0: So just over three years ago, it was just me and my husband on our dining room table. We're now a team of 18. We've just gone over a million pounds. We're about to hit 800 clients. And we also have a waiting list of over 150 members of staff waiting to join the practice at any given time. We have done that through... Leveraging social media, scaling social media, so on my online platform Accountant She, which is the online safe place that I needed and the content that I needed at different points during my journey, whether that was careers advice when I was leaving school, working out how to become an accountant or what being an accountant was like, all of the way through to being a business owner for the first time, all of the way through to scaling an accountancy practice but we've built and scaled an online community of over 50,000 people. And so I create long and short form, completely free, accessible, consumable content to drive pipelines of different elements within my business. So the practice is worth a million pounds. My personal brand is also a six-figure business. So I do lots of speaking events, content creation, brand ambassador work. And so just being able to monetize that audience in as many ways as possible.
1: Chapter number two, how Strivex started and then grew.
0: Started working on our dining room table and we have a black Labrador and a cat and it was chaos. And I remember Googling does employer's liability insurance cover someone working at my dining room table? Like what if he gets a bad back? Cause I've got a bad back and I can't suit myself. So what do we do about first five months? We've recruited someone. We recruited uh, a trainee. He had no experience. He was working in Waitrose the week before stacking shell, but just loved finance and was doing AAT in his spare time. He is still with us three and a half years later and he's currently doing his CTA. He is a portfolio manager. He manages members of staff. And so... Just even that, like being able to share that journey with somebody in the way that we have has been fantastic. And I guess through a lot of the conversations that we have today, we'll talk about core values, but please don't listen to that phrase and get imposter syndrome because the core values that I have attached words to and sentences to and big, lovely, shiny things to now, they all still existed on our dining room table before we had words for them. The core values are exactly the same because the core values are. Who you are as a person how you conduct yourself your values your beliefs and so as we go throughout today like please don't feel like this is very shiny finished product it's not firstly it never will be but also it wasn't for a long time through this journey so core values mindset beliefs like you have all of those things as you are now the only thing you haven't done is formalize it or attach words to it in that way so first hire was stacking shelves in Waitrose a week before he started. He's now our tax department. So that's been an amazing journey. And then again, as the audience grew, and as I started to gain confidence, measuring the pipeline of new work that we could bring in from social media, because we're now at the point where we bring in about 110,000 pounds a month of new work guaranteed. The types of work changes in seasonality. So in January, we see all traders, not that we take the money in January, but we see the try. <laughs> so, like, as we go to busy season, it turns into more sole traders, uh, smaller people who just need their accounts filed. And then, outside of busy season, it's much of the bigger, chunkier, multi million pound companies. I guess for context, with our company structure, we have Accountancy, which is my online brand. We have StriveX, which is the accountancy practice, which has just hit a million pounds. We've got StriveX Audit, StriveX Mortgages, and StriveX Consulting. And we've just won StriveX HR, which has just answered the question. Somebody's just said, "Do you do any advisory?" So we do a lot of high-level consulting work. That's the team that I head up. So we do very large company valuations. We've done work for Stephen Bartlett's team. We've done work for people that are about to go on to Dragon's Den. So we do a lot of high-level consultancy work. But once I managed to gain confidence and, I guess, rhythm in the pipeline of work that was coming in, where I, I knew if I put in this much effort on socials, it will roughly guarantee this much work is coming in every month. Which at the time was probably between 30 and 50K a month, I could then forecast planning recruitments, hires, who we needed, who we were going to need now, who we're gonna need in three months' time. And so then I started to shift my content primarily just from targeting business owners to then like, how can I bring more personal branding into this? How can I do more storytelling of what it's like to be an accountant, come behind the scenes and do a day in my life? What's the difference between ACCA and ACA. What's the difference between man- like being a management accountant and a financial accountant? And so we strategically pivoted and started to like drip feed different types of content into my content to the point where now we have three solid content pillars, which are business owners, practice owners, and accounting students. Accounting students become members of staff. Business owners become clients, and practice owners buy our online courses. So the strategy came first. My husband James had built a portfolio of like thirty to fifty clients. And through doing the MBA and actually doing something that I loved, but sort of not being in an environment where I could play with the stuff that I was learning, really, really just sort of like dropped my engagement at work. And I said to James, like, I think we're in the middle of a global pandemic. People's behavior is changing. People's approach to self-employment is changing. We're seeing people become self-employed that have never even considered being self-employed before through furlough schemes, access to finance, reduced barriers to entry. We need to change the way that we're approaching people's access to finance. Let me quit my job and let's do it together. And so in 2020, in the pandemic, I, as of today, create daily content on LinkedIn, TikTok and Instagram, and weekly long-form content on YouTube. Please don't feel like that's the starting point. The starting point for me was one platform, one place with one purpose. And for me, that was Instagram to attract new clients into the business. And that was it. I started on Instagram because that was sort of my native platform. I'm a 90s baby. And so Instagram was very much my happy place. I'm not Facebook, but I'm also not TikTok. And so Instagram was the place that I naturally consume content. And so as a consumer of content on that platform, I found it quite easy to create content on that platform in a way that I would enjoy. And so specifically targeting business owners who look and feel like me, but also who
1: behave as consumers in the way that I do too
0: was really important to me as well.
1: How did he get the 50 clients? Did he already have an accounting practice that then merged into the accounting practice you started? Or where did these 50 clients come from? Or were they just friends and family? No, we are introverts. We do not have 50 friends or family.
0: Yeah, so James started Strybeck. So James started Strybeck completely on his own. We never had any plans to go into business together. We met at work. So we were both fully qualified accountants and met at a top 75 practice. I went and spent a couple of years in industry at the same time that James wanted to sort of start his own portfolio. He always wanted it to be a very lifestyle driven business. And so I think his 10 to 15 year plan was to maybe have five employees so that he could work flexibly and not work in the business. And then, yeah, after about a year, I the big turning point for me was starting an MBA. So I started a master's in business and just Like that was such a big turning point for me in my life as an accountant. I think I'd always been an accountant with a full stop on the end and doing an MBA took blinkers off me and made me realize that I'm a young woman who loves maths, but I also love business and people. And I think that's why I became an accountant, but actually there's something else here too. And so, um, yeah, six months into my MBA, I said to James, like I, I've done market segmentation. I've done analysis. I feel like we can bring something really different to this industry. Why don't we try and do it together? And so in the summer of 2020, I left full-time empl- employment and with just the two of us on, on the dining room table. And so James had worked right a year or 18 months, building up a portfolio of 50 on his own. And then from summer 2020, that's when, that's when the accelerator went down and we've sort of blinked and now we're here. And with those 50 clients, what turnover did he roughly have? So he had 50 clients, but he was also contracting during the day. And so his turnover was much
1: higher than the portfolio value, but that portfolio value was around £50,000. And that was in 2020. So within, oh, it was the summer of 2020. So it was basically just half a year, thinking in UK seasons. So that means you have 21, 22. So basically you have been in business now for three and a half years. And in those three and a half years, you took it from 50000 to £1 million. Right. That is very impressive. Chapter number three business and client structure.
0: Yeah, so actually Strivex accounting on its own is over a million pounds and then extra revenue in mortgages, consulting, audit and HR. So it's actually Strivex accountants on its own stands over a million pounds. And mortgages, you are
1: basically a mortgage broker, correct?
0: Yeah, we are two accountants and qualified on our honeymoon. Like We took the mortgage textbooks on our honeymoon to qualified <laughs> as
1: mortgage brokers. Oh, I see. So you and your husband, you are both mortgage brokers. Is that kind of a pipeline for you? So do you get a lot of clients through the mortgage business? Not mortgage clients or you know, mortgage customers, but do they actually then feed into your accounting segment?
0: Yeah, so we actually we see it working as a whole ecosystem. So some people come to us as a small business needing HR. Some people come as a self-employed person struggling with a mortgage. And then once they sort of like had one touch point or an experience of working with Strivex, they then feed into the ecosystem. Um, for a long time, it's been that ecosystem has run sort of in one direction, which is nearly everybody comes through accountx, accountx through StriveX and then gets signposted into the other brands, rather than them coming in through the other brands and then to StriveX.
1: But again, see that growing and changing over time. Yeah, but they're all StriveX, correct? When you say StriveX, do you just mean accounting, or you mean all five? StriveX accounting, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, good. And StriveX HR, I assume, is payroll, correct? And then, you know, more than payroll, it's the whole HR function, correct?
0: Yes, so Stribex HR uh, is explicitly HR. So all of our clients, when they become a client within any of the different services, get access to a completely free Stribex HR platform, which just supports small business owners having access to really great HR advice.
1: Oh, I see. And that platform, is that a white label platform from somebody else? Or is that is that something you developed? It's your platform? Yep. Oh, I see. And what did you do in that platform? So does it just have a lot of HR documents? Yeah, so most of it is HR
0: on demand. And so it is HR documents, processes, procedures, new starter checklists, contracts of employment. And again, just as our experience as small business owners, growing and scaling, that's the bit that lots of people think, oh, I'll just do it myself. Uh, But actually it's the most important.
1: And so signposting people to really, really great advisory services is part of what we do. So you don't do the advisory service, you channel your clients to HR consultants. Is that it? Sorry if I misunderstood that. Within StriveX HR, do you just have the documents and the platform or are they actually consultants employed by you that provide HR consulting or do you then channel them to another provider?
0: Yes. So StriveX HR is our on-demand platform. So that's a StriveX platform. And then if anybody wants one-to-one advisory work, they actually work with our HR advisor. Um, who we use as well, who's a third party to Strivex. She's not on payroll, but she's the payroll advisor
1: that we know, like, and trust. So you don't actually have staff working in Strivex HR, apart from, of course, sometimes time it takes to update documents, etc. Yep. And then you also have your online course. The online course is also not in the one million of turnover, correct? Yeah, it was actually. And can you give me an indication now what the turnover for the online course is, just roughly? So my life is basically split into two sections.
0: So I have Strivex, which is the Strivex group, which is made up of Strivex accounting, which is over a million pounds. And then we have consulting, HR audit and uh, advisory work. And then the other side of my life is Accountant She, which is my online content creation platform where I create long and short-form content. Our audience has just gone over 75,000 for the first time. And that audience is split into business owners who want to receive financial education, practice owners who want to start or scale their own practice in the same way that we have, and accounting students. And so I monetize that platform in lots of different ways. So I do lots of brand deals, content creation, speaking events, and we sell the online course. So it's not just one revenue stream. I basically have between 10 and 12 revenue streams every single month from affiliate income, YouTube income, ad revenue, brand deals, and Practice Makes Perfect which is our online course. And so within accountant sheet, that's just got over six figures. So just got over £100,000 a year. The
1: 800 clients, how do you count that? So for example, when let's say one person comes to you and they A, need an individual tax return, but then they also have a company and possibly a trust and uh, maybe something else. Do you count this person as one client or do you count this person then as two or three entities?
0: Yes, so the
1: 800 clients
0: are 800 separate tax entities. And so one person with three limited companies would be three limited companies and an individual, so it would be four, all the way through to people who are just a sole trader, one-man band, need one tax return is one person, so that's 800 separate tax
1: entities and separate tax clients. You speak about high-level consultancy work, and this high-level consultancy work Does that come from existing clients who have, you know, who are already quite large and hence need high level consultancy work? Or does it come, you know, where does it come from? And also what does high level consultancy work mean? Sure. So we have a 70-30 split. So 70% of the
0: consulting work is engaged clients. 30% is one-off sort of non-ongoing engagement fees. So I do a lot of work in the consulting space. I'm an accountant with an MBA. I've competed globally in venture capital investment competitions. And so we do a lot of work with uh, clients who are about to go on or have just come off shows like Dragon's Den or Shark Tank. And so I do company valuations. So in 2023, we facilitated over £10 million worth of investments into female-led businesses through exclusively working with female angels. Female angel investment space in the UK is something that I am incredibly passionate about. Yeah, so lots of company valuations, lots of tax advisory work, business planning, company valuations, cash flow forecasting. So, yeah, very high
1: level. Although you don't have niches, you you seem to be quite active in the startup scene. Yeah, yeah, we are. You mentioned that you get a lot of people from Shark Tank. How do you make people who are on Shark Tank a of strive eggs so that they come to use a straight off Shark Tank? A couple of different ways. Sorry, in the
0: UK it's Dragon's Den, but I know Shark Tank. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. 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 But no, same thing. A couple of different ways. So sometimes it's chicken, sometimes it's eggs. So very often, because of the work that I do in the angel investment and venture capital space, sometimes um, I will have conversations. I li- literally had one last week with a business who had just become a client. They are looking to do a £100,000 raise. So it's exactly in that sweet spot of Shark Tank or Dragon's Den. Their concept is fantastic. They've got a great story. And so within that initial consulting session where we're talking about, do you want to do a friends and family round? Do you want to do Asian investment? When might you consider venture capital? That's where actually I would bring, because of the experience that I have in working with those businesses, that's where I would then bring Dragon's Den to the conversation and say, actually, have you thought about considering Dragon's Den as an option or Shark Tank? As an option to complete this raise so sometimes it's chicken in that they come to me looking for advice on how to raise and actually for some people if the story is right if the valuation is right if the pitch is right it could be that i say i actually think going on the show would be a great idea alternatively because of the work that we do before you go on a show like that there is a huge amount of due diligence and so once we got the first couple of clients would like really solid due diligence actually people behind the scenes at shows like this whether it's producers researchers actually have a bank of people that they refer to in order to make sure that you are up to the standard of being on the show again as someone who does lots of tv work as well once you're in with the production companies the tv agents actually once you've got that relationship sometimes it's chicken sometimes it's egg sometimes we're saying to clients i think you'd be great for the show sometimes people on the show are saying this is a great story but you need a solid valuation have you thought about contacting rachel Yes, I don't work in the practice at all. I firmly believe that in order to be an exceptional employer, you can't be an employee in the same business. I think I need that oversight and that distance. So yeah, I actually haven't worked in the day-to-day running of the practice in terms of like field work perspective for probably like 15 or 16 months.
1: Is this just about being an exceptional employer? Isn't it also that this way you work on the business rather than in the business? Yeah, absolutely. So
0: yeah. Um, The employer-employee piece, I I really, really stand by, but I think for me, being removed from the day-to-day practice is much more about impact. I can have a much greater impact on the practice by not working in the practice. So I can impact things like building an on-demand university for all of our clients to have access to, absolutely nailing our value proposition, being able to do live TV and reach millions of people all in one go. The impact that I can have on the practice is much better served out of the day-to-day running, rather than me... Being in the trenches filing tax returns, that impact is minimized to the client I am looking at at one segment in time. Whereas actually, if I am creating content and reaching our most recent piece of content reached 5 million people within a sort of 10 second video. So my, it's much impact focused time spending. So like I'll just spend my time where I can have the most impact. And for me, that is not preparing tax returns. What's your husband's role? So does your husband run the practice? Of course, James is much more in the practice than I am. We have managers in the department, so every single department we've got a head of compliance, we've got a manager of the accounts team, a manager of the business services, and so James's role is, I guess, what a CEO would look like. So James's day-to-day role is the CEO of StripeX.
1: Now, let me just quickly add three questions that Reza asked Rachel in his interview, and I, you know, there was no point in me asking exactly the same question again. The first question is about software, asking Rachel what software they use in their practice.
0: So we are actually software agnostic within the practice. Uh, I am currently sponsored by QuickBooks, but um, yeah, we're software agnostic within the practice. So we work with the software that is right for the client. So we help clients to make the right decisions. Sometimes it's price point, sometimes it's functionality, sometimes it's industry and interconnections with things like A2X and Amazon platforms. And so we work with all accounted softwares.
1: The second question is about the split between sole traders and companies in StriveX clients pool, and then also the churn rate—how many clients they lose per year. How many sole traders versus limited are forming the 800 clients? Uh, Around 5050 at the moment. Uh, 50-50? Yeah. Uh, what is the churn rate?
0: So annual churn rate is
1: 1.5%. And the third question is about investors: whether StriveX has any investors.
0: We are completely organically scaling. It's just my husband and I. We are fifty fifty 50 shareholders. We've never had a pound of investment. And all of
1: the scaling has been through. Cash flow forecasting that only the accountant could do. So that was about the business and client structure of StriveX. Next, we come to chapter four. Chapter number four, fee structure and quoting. But before we go to the next topic, before we talk about quoting, fee structure, and scope creep, here's a quick word from our sponsor, BGL. Hey, tax
0: talkers. Are you tired of manual identity verification processes? Introducing BGLID, your fast, secure, automated identity verification solution. BGLID seamlessly integrates with BGL's CAS360, simple fund 360 and simple invest 360 solutions with no setup or training for existing clients don't get left behind as regulations tighten with straightforward pricing no minimum commitments and instant results BGLID is the solution for you to learn more visit bglcorp.com forward slash tax chapter
1: number four fee structure and quoting Yeah. So
0: the initial fees are calculated using a guideline hourly rate, but then it's our job internally to make that job as tight as possible and increase the profit margins as tight as possible. So we use sort of like rough hourly rates to calculate the transaction fees, but then just increase efficiency behind the scenes. And that is fixed. So we do not bill for our time. Our pricing is roughly based on time, but they are fixed fees for the clients.
1: You have a set fee for an individual tax return you have a set fee for a company tax return and... And then how granular do you go? So, for example, yes, a basic company tax return is X amount, but then if you have overseas income or if you have certain issues, you know, I'm struggling now because I don't know much about you. Yeah, we have a baseline fee. And then for each extra section on the tax return, we
0: add on a nominal fee. Exactly the same if we're quoting for a limited company set of accounts. We actually score the records. So we have a baseline fee based on turnover and volume transaction. But that fee goes up by a certain percentage or a certain multiple. If they've got low quality records, they work in the e-commerce space because it's just more complex. And so we have baseline fees, but those baseline fees come from hourly rates, but then they sort of like grow and change depending on turnover, volume of transactions and the quality of the records that are coming in.
1: Oh, I see. That's interesting. So your fixed fees are actually more variable fees linked to turnover and number of transactions.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then we requote every single touch point with the client. So if it's payroll, we're requoting every month. If it's VAT, we're requoting every
1: quarter. And then
0: accounts work, we requote every single year.
1: I see. And the uh, turnover, do you work within bands? So do you say, you know, companies below 250,000? Yeah, we do. Pounds. Yes. You know, so it's within bands. It's not. A- yeah, It's not to the pound. But yeah, they're normally in like 50,000
0: pound chunks all the way up to like the higher it gets, the higher the chunk. But yeah, so to start with, it would be. 0 to 50,000, 50 to 85, which is a bad threshold in the UK, 85 to 120.
1: And then they sort of just go up in, in chunks. And then how do you quote? Yes, so we use GoProposal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Have you heard of Ignition? In Australia, Ignition is is, is quite big. But in, I have, have, yeah, yeah. You have? Yeah. yeah. But I think in the UK, GoProposal is kind of the place to go, correct? GoProposal is the place to be if you're an
0: accountant trying to, pr- trying to price your services. Yeah, I feel... A lot of work that I do with other accountants, actually, confidence in pricing is something that I never struggled with in my practice. Um, I trained at a top 75 and so I was quite used to quoting, you know, really good profit margins on jobs, but a lot of other accountants really struggle. And so GoProposal is more than just a proposal software. It's a pricing tool for accountants that can really help them separate their anxiety and confidence and sort of linking their self-worth to the fees that they're quoting. And so, yes, it's the go-to place in the UK for pricing.
1: How do you control uh, mission creep? I'm not sure what he means by that. And presumably, Robert, you mean uh, scope creep, potentially. Answer it like that.
0: Yeah, so I mentioned before we have our own internal working papers. The most important part of the working papers for the person doing the field work is the planning section. So whenever we plan a job, we look at the fee, we look at the budget, we look at the scope of work. And so I can say to a junior, this job should be able to be completed within three hours or less. If you get to two... And you've got a chunk left to do. I need you to put your hand up and tell me there's a problem. We need to be re-quoting staff doing stuff not paid for. Yes. So also with Mission Creep, if any like non chargeable things come into play, I've seen a huge change in the practice since we've got the consulting team. So I head up the consulting team. We do everything from complex tax advisory, SEIS, EIS, company valuations, agile raises, all of the fun things, all the way through to like actually just business consulting and board meetings. And since we've had that separate team, it's been really easy for the billable fieldwork accounting year-end team to make referrals to the year-end team. When they're your client and you just do everything because it's a small practice, it's really easy just to be like, I'll just go away and do some research and give it back. But actually like, that's not good advisory. Good advisory is it being chargeable work, it being protected, you being insured, you being able to report against it and provide advisory services.
1: Rachel Harris of Strifex in the UK and accountant she on social media. So that was the first part of our talk with Rachel. In the next episode, we will cover Strifex's social media, or to be more exact, Rachel Harris's social media. And that is really where the music is for Strifex. Now, Let me play you already a short clip I found on TikTok because it relates to fees and quoting, what we just discussed. But it is also a good segue to the next topic, Rachel's social media campaigns. So here's Rachel Harris, an accountant, she on TikTok, talking about quoting and charging additional advice as a separate piece of work. And it is only 70 seconds, so very short, so definitely qualifies as short Content. Like
0: by separating it, by it being a different person, by it being a different team, it makes it very clear to the client that this is a different piece of work. And so we are quoting for work in advance of having any conversations. All of that time is now chargeable. And we've just seen
1: so much positivity come from that. So that was one clip from TikTok. We will talk in detail about Rachel's social media campaigns in the next episode. And there I will also give you more examples. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to BGL for their support. To find out more, please go to bglcorp.com. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.